Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Vigilance Press Podcast. My name is James Dossie, and this may be, in fact, the first time you've heard us in quite a while. Um, I, I don't actually remember if we've done a Vigilance Press Podcast in the uh, year of 2014 yet, but um, it's always good to come back and have uh, familiar faces, or voices in this case, and tonight we have two of our uh, frequent guests from Green Run Inn. We have John Lighthouser. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. And um, the, hopefully the, I don't get dropped by my uh, internet connection here, whatever issues we were having. Uh, hopefully not. Um, and then, of course, we also have uh, uh, Steve Kenson from uh, Ad Infinitum Games and Green Running. Right. Great to be here. Good to have you. So, yeah, how's the weather up there in uh, New England? Cold. <laughs> we're, act- we're actually supposed to get snow tonight. Yeah, I've heard that the spring has given us a miss. Yes, we are having a lovely winter this spring. <laughs> Meanwhile, John, what's the weather over there? Uh, today it's rainy, but man, it was gorgeous over the weekend. It was beautiful. Yep. Those those of you who don't know, John is in Seattle, which is a good inspiration for one of our topics tonight, uh, which will be the uh, Emerald City Sourcebook. But um, before we get into that, we're going we're gonna to talk to John about Emerald City, and we're also going to talk to him about the um, Atlas of Earth Prime. Um, but uh, before we get into that, uh, Steve Kenson made a big announcement on the Green Running blog this week, something I've been waiting for you to make an announcement on for a while. <laughs> um let's talk icons the assembled edition yeah um icons uh is uh, as many folks may know uh a um superhero rpg i designed several years ago that was uh initially published by adamant entertainment and um adamant and i um parted ways um about a year and a half ago and uh, the, all the, the icons rev- rights uh, remained with me. I've been doing um, various, mostly small projects with icons, although I kickstarted a superpowers source book called Great Power um, that I had been working on uh, for the game. And um, one of the uh, you know, sort of impending um, benchmarks with, with icons was that you know, the... the um, Initial print run of the book uh, is is running dry, um, and um, it became a question of whether or not I was going to reprint uh, the uh, the original book as published or um, do a uh, an updated edition of some kind. Um, and I decided that I I wanted to fold in a number of the things that had. Um, come along for icons since the the publication first publication of the book um, number of ideas that came up in the succeeding source books as well as you know just stuff I had played around with on my blog and in my own designs and feedback I had gotten from fans and uh, so it made sense to, to do uh, an, an updated book if I was going to be reprinting uh, the book anyway and uh, that led to uh, a discussion with uh, Green Renine, uh when I was out there last fall um, for our yearly planning meeting um, about the, the possibility of Green Renine, uh doing the, the print distribution um, for the book. Um, 
and we worked out uh, an arrangement, and that is currently the plan. So I've Excellent. been working on the, what we're referring to as the assembled edition um, of, of icons um, pretty much since last fall, um, but until all of the, the particulars of the, the deal were, were really hammered out and um, the production of the book was well underway, we didn't want to announce anything. Right. Um, so uh, it's it's this has been quite a while in coming, um, you know, and it's it's nice to finally have it, you know, uh, as close to completion as it is. So from uh, from the announcement that you the, the uh, blog post that you pointed us to, uh, it sounds like it's coming out this summer. It's mm-hmm. gonna be it's gonna be a hardcover book. Correct. Um, and it's is it uh, and you and I and we were talking before the show. It's going to be a digest size. It's going to be the same size as the Great Powers book. It's going to yeah. It's going to be a six by nine uh, sized book, the same as Great Power. Cool. How are you going to? Um, you you mentioned also in the blog post that you are going to incorporate some of the ideas from Great Power into Icons, mm-hmm. um, but you're going to maintain the usability of the Great Power book as a, as as its own book. How are you gonna, how are you planning to do that? Well, I, I took some uh, elements of uh, great power, um, which which itself you know refined a few things uh, in terms of uh, particularly expanding the um, material for for devices or equipment uh, of some sort in icons, uh, and folded some of that uh, into the the assembled edition. Uh, but the the powers chapter in assembled edition is much smaller. Um, comparatively, um, rather than you know basically taking the entirety of Great Power and making that the powers chapter of the book, which would make the the rule book itself you know easily you know over uh, 200 pages, um, I um, produced a slimmed down version of the the powers rules um, that is is much more basic than the stuff in in Great Power. Um, it's the same functionality. Um, it just doesn't provide the the depth of detail. Um, whereas um, uh, Great Power, for example, will have you know a, a lengthy list of all of the the pow- particular um, extras and limits uh, of a power broken out and described individually. Um, the um, assembled edition is only going to have a fairly brief mention of the really significant um, extras and limits of that power, um, and it's going to leave the the rest to either you know folks who have the great power book and want to ref- refer to that, or folks who want to just extrapolate based on the the standard uh, lists of extras and limits. Cool. And um, before I get off on too far of a tangent, I did want to mention that uh, I think you said that uh, Daniel Solis was working on on uh, the assembled edition as well. Yes, Daniel was doing the layout of assembled edition. Uh, he's also the one who did the layout on Great Power, so they'll right. they'll be very similar in in look. Yeah, blatant blatant plug from uh, Vigilance Press. Daniel Solis also did the amazing layout for us for our Tin Shah. Uh, yes. Source book, and uh, it is gorgeous. So, and if you also want to see anything else by Daniel Solis, he's got a, a YouTube channel where he discusses card games and the ones he's made and how to make them and stuff. It's really cool yeah. stuff. Daniel's a terrific designer, and it was really great having him work on Great Power. Um, and in many regards, the fact that he was able to do the trade dress design for Great Power was what allowed me to convince him to do um, assembled 
addition because, frankly, a lot of the work, you know, the basic work was already done because um, mm-hmm. he's just using the same template from right. uh, Great Power in terms of the, the trade dress suite. It's not like he has to reinvent it. Yeah, it's yeah. There, there's there's a lot of uh, utility in being able to go back to the same person. I mean, for example, he's going to be doing some uh, he's going to be doing some cards for us that are based on the uh, the same card designs he he did for mm-hmm. Fate. So that'll yep. be really useful. Yep. But getting back to um, the Assemble Edition, um, when you originally approached uh, doing a, a, a like a rules light kind of superheroes game, um, as I understand it, you started it before actually the um, the Fate iteration of the rules had kind of come about. I did. I, yeah, the very very first uh, stirrings of of icons was me sort of um, marrying uh, a lot of concepts from um, Stefano Sullivan's fudge design, which uh, was the the ancestor of fate, um, and um, my uh, fondness for Marvel superheroes, um, the original TSR game by Jeff Grubb, mm-hmm. um, largely based on the fact that they both used um, words for their um, ability uh, levels rather than um, specifically just numbers mm-hmm. um, and um, playing around with the idea of, of kind of marrying some of, of uh, Fudge's dice mechanics um, to uh, the, some of the Marvel concept and expanding that ability ladder um, because Fudge is based around a, a seven-level um, ladder and Marvel was based around a ten-level one um, if you don't count the far ends with, with the cosmic stuff mm-hmm. um, and um, I, I noodled around with that and, and posted a bunch of notes on my website back in the whatever it is like the early mid 90s um, uh, about uh, that concept um, and uh, didn't really do anything with it for a fair while um, but then I um, uh, I got particularly intrigued um, with the notion of um, random character creation in in uh, superhero games, particularly um, because it was kind of the at the time the antithesis of the way mutants and masterminds handled um, character creation because it was all very very point build and very player directed, um, and um, so I, I went back to that earlier design and played around with the idea of of, of random. Uh, randomly rolling up characters um, and uh, by that point uh, Spirit of the Century um, had really popularized um, Fate uh, as a system and so I was also uh, playing around with um, the, the concept of, of aspects uh, that they had uh, where a lot of descriptive qualities of the characters um, came into play um, and uh, it all, you know, kind of mixed together into this, this, you know, sort of goulash that uh, that became icons. <laughs> well, it's a tasty goulash indeed. Um, one of the things that uh, you, you kind of mentioned there it makes me want to kind of bring John back into the conversation if he's if he hasn't lost connection. <laughs> Yeah. Just dozed off. <laughs> is um, there seems to be a lot of synergy going back and forth, um, especially when I was reading Great Power, between some of the ideas in Icons and some of the ideas in um, Mutants and Masterminds Third Edition. But um, you know, that random character creation table 
Was mm-hmm. that was was the success of it in Icons really a, a, a really strong impetus for why you decided to do one for Mutants and Masterminds third edition? Well, I don't think it was a, a sole impetus, but uh, most of the the genius of of the um, random character creation, the quick quick character generation stuff for Mutants and Masterminds is really owed to to John and Leon Chang, who did all of the heavy lifting uh, as yeah. far as that was concerned. It certainly comes from the same place uh, in terms of like the random character generator stuff that uh, I I knew it was possible to do, and there's a, a few things that kind of come together here. So when I started gaming, uh, like the first superhero game I ever played was uh, was Mutants and Masterminds. No, it was Villains and Vigilantes. <laughs> Mine too. And for as fun as that game was, for one thing, I don't think I ever actually played it correctly. <laughs> And, uh, wait, is there a wrong way? Okay, go yeah. ahead. No, there is. There is. There is. <laughs> it's the not understanding how the resistance table thing works, and you just go, yeah, yeah, you hit. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, so it's that, which was a completely random character generation thing, and then you had to, like, come up with, you know, what's your character? And then, you know, the next step after that was trying my hand at champions and going, oh, my God, Nightmare. And then it was trying the Marvel Superheroes game by Jeff Grubb, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, a random system. And you kind of had to figure out, like, oh, well, how's my guy work together? So I, at a point, you look at the random stuff and you go, oh, my God, it's so annoying and limiting. And then at a point much later on, you go, that was a lot of fun. And uh, so that's kind of where the random tables grew out of for, um, and I should say I also played the DC Heroes game or DC, mm-hmm. yeah, DC Heroes, and then jump back into Champions in college. That's predominantly what we played when I was in college was Champions, Champions, Champions. Okay. It was probably yeah. 16 to 24 hours a week I was playing Champions. Um, <laughs> I, 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 am not, I am not kidding you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I gotta say that uh, champions pretty much dominated my college years as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what it is about it, but for some reason, champions is very much a sort of college age superhero game. Yeah, and it was it was a blast. I mean, I I love that game system. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so then when I when we were working on the Mutants and Mastermind stuff, I was like, yeah, there's got to be a way to do a random character generator that would make sense and then i was um i kind of realized hey you could just randomize the different archetypes and turn those into tables with a bunch of different options on them and sure enough that worked out all right so yep yeah i I had a lot of fun um play testing that one that was uh I think one of the first ones we rolled up, we just kind of looked. My brother and I just kind of looked at each other and said, "You know, did you just in, did you just create a, a wolf that you know had through a scientific experiment became a mystic superhero?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? that, was, that was just bizarre. That's, and that's the great thing about the the random character creation stuff is my favorite part about it is is the way that it sparks people's imaginations mm-hmm. because. Oftentimes, you will see people roll up characters uh, at the at the table, and you know there'll be an initial. Sometimes there'll be the initial like, "What am I going to do with this?" sort of a thing. But then, like, you know, an idea happens, the light goes on, and all of a sudden, people are like, 
this is awesome. <laughs> you know, I totally would have never thought of this, but now that I'm thinking of it, it's awesome. Yep. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's there's some really neat examples of that, even from uh, from different game systems. Like, um, I forget. I think these were both in Marvel. I had a, a mm-hmm. friend in college who was a huge Marvel superheroes fan. And he was running a game, and I rolled up randomly on the old Marvel superheroes table a self-achieved or self-training. You know, it was like it wasn't achieved through magic or technology or something. It was like through training. It was a, a self-achieved undead, and uh, so <laughs> that that became like trying to figure out how to make that character work. But it was it was he turned into Revenant, which was a battle suit wearing undead character. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we've actually, we're actually play testing, um, uh, for our fate, uh, Tian Sha game. We're, we're play testing a, uh, a life path generator, which is, yeah. um, mm-hmm. about, you know, essentially setting you up with the core sets of skills and a few aspects and, and essentially not telling you what aspects you're having, but kind of suggesting towards what your background elements would be and giving you help, you know, it's 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 the way Jack wrote it up. It kind of comes off as like a writing seminar with dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's a bit different because it is a fate game. You know, because fate is so, you know, uh, word driven. It's it's narrative driven. So mm-hmm. you have you know you kind of have to come up with more unique elements to the character. But yeah, it was it was a challenge for for him to put that together. But I think I think we we've we're heard this good feedback. We've heard similar feedback from from folks using the the house creation system in Song of Ice and Fire mm-hmm. role playing mm-hmm. to to build their characters' houses uh, at the beginning of their their game have had very similar experience where they've they've you know started with basically just a blank slate and you know a few rolls into it all of a sudden this story will start emerging from it and it'll be like oh yeah clearly there's this and you know. Um, you know, people get all sorts of, of interesting, you know, imaginative springboards out of that kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it is interesting that the random characterization, the random character generation in icons is the default. And oh yeah, um, absolutely. And then the uh, the there's a there's a there's a point by alternative. Mm-hmm. There is, and and honestly, I've had I've I've had a number of people who have asked for more detail for that approach to the game and I'm really not inclined to do it <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's just it's not what the game does mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know I, I mean I think the, the 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 point by system that exists is adequate you know it's not you know um, incredibly detailed but it's not supposed to be it's really it's it's there for the people who just absolutely can't you know, I mean, they're just allergic to random character creation, and they just can't do it to save their lives. Um, you know, and so there there's, are such people, and there are such people. You know, yes. um, why why they're playing icons, I honestly don't know. But <laughs> um, you know, but because um, there there are other, you know, I, you know, mutants and masterminds for one, champions for another. You know, other perfectly good, you know point by systems that are far more detailed um you know when it comes to that kind of thing mm-hmm. so you know like it's mutants it's, it's and masterminds <laughs> yeah indeed you know 
So, but so it's it's funny. It reminds me. Um, Jeff Grubb um, mm-hmm. just said um, in in response to the whole um, assembled edition announcement that you know um, game design is very much a, a sort of a conversation mm-hmm. that goes on, <clears throat> and you know uh, you know ideas get bounced back and forth and you know uh, become popular or you know one designer takes it in a different direction. And, and it's interesting to see how things, you know, kind of one design influences another and there's this back and forth conversation to it. So I think we see some of that in, in um, uh, you know, random character creation coming back into, I don't know, into, into vogue, but, you know, showing up in designs again, mm-hmm. um, you know, after being sort of out of favor mm-hmm. while. Yeah, it is. It is. It is an interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, popular enough to call it a fad yet, but it's definitely, right. it's definitely an interesting trend. And um, it's. I. I think that the great thing about random character generation is that randomness and that that spark, um, because it'll often take you in places that you don't expect, and and that can help people who are too focused in on one aspect of the game or another to. You know, to to be creative, it helps them kind of loosen mm-hmm. up, loosen up, and kind of um, find yeah. some creativity. Uh, quick, um, before we uh, leave icons totally, I did want to talk about a couple. Well, mainly, I wanted to ask about licensing for 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 mm-hmm. third party licensors like myself. <laughs> um, we are putting out a whole bunch of cool Mutants and Masterminds products this year and uh, are probably going to want to do some Icons versions of several of those. Mm-hmm. How do I go about getting uh, a license for the new Assembled Edition and, and what's going to be different, uh, if anything, there? Sure. Well, basically, the the, the licensing arrangement for Icons is going to remain uh, unchanged uh, you know, with the the assembled edition isn't going to isn't going to alter that. Um, the the licensing information is on um, stevekenson.com um, under the the ad infinitum tab, um, and there's there's a there's a zip download of of um, documentation basically, but it's pretty much just the graphics and the, a very short description of the license. Um, and pretty much it's, it's a free and open license for anybody who wants to use it. Um, all I ask is that folks who are looking to publish um, uh, Icon supplementary material get, drop me an email and give me a heads up about what their plans are um, just so that I can have a sense of what's out there. Um, you know, I you know, prefer to you know, know, you know a little bit in advance. Um, and um, mostly so I can, I can you know, give other third-party publishers a potential heads up as to what I'm doing. Um, so if, if I'm coming out with something that's incredibly similar or I have plans along those lines that we might be able to cross-promote or something like that, you know, I'd like to know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, other than that, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, people. You know, as long as they download the license and follow the rules, uh, I'm happy to you know let you know people play with with my toy box as much <laughs> as they like. You know, as far as that goes. So, um, in in the process of assembling the the book, um, are there any like changes that you'd been wanting to make that you've decided to make, or are there a lot of things that you decided to <clears throat> keep consistent? Well, it was. Um, it's it's pretty heavily consistent, um, and I am fortunate in that regard as a designer um, to work with um, 
playtesters um, who are um, oftentimes uh, smart enough to tell me when I'm going too far afield. Um, I, I have a tendency to get a little experimental uh, when it comes to my designs, especially mm-hmm. when I'm revising things. So sometimes I'll be like, hey, let, let's do this. And my playtesters will be like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> Hey, let's you try making the character sheet upside down. You can't do that. Um, and um, you know, I had the I had the exact same experience when I did um, Mutants and Masterminds Second Edition, where I I I came up with a number of ideas, and the playtesters just freaked out, um, and were just like, "You can't do that." Um, I remember there was one that involved um, um, it involved it involved percentages. And you know, in terms of calculating um, power modifiers and things like that, it was it was it was horrific. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, it, 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 I, I believe it ended up involving percentages of percentages. Um, uh, you know, and the, the playtesters were just like, "No, you you can't do that." You know? uh, and it lasted like one draft. Um, and so there there were a few uh, elements. You know of that in the um, assembled edition uh, process, where where playtesters were like, "No, don't do that," um, and so I didn't. Um, and um, so the assembled edition doesn't really feature a lot of change overall. Um, there's some refinement of some stuff, um, in particular how um, uh, um, determination interacts with qualities uh, has been has been refined a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's mostly a you know we call it the assembled edition mostly because there's there's a lot of taking bits and pieces of stuff um, from that have already shown up for icons in different places mm-hmm. uh, like the um, uh, the uh, pyramid tests mechanic uh, that's been um, a part of the game since the the very first adventure that was released for icons. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, didn't make it into the the um, the main rule book, which is a pity because it's a you know an integral mechanic <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, that is now in the main rule book, um, along with some of of its expanded refined uh, refinements in in things like icons team up, um, which added a bunch of you know here are a bunch of ways you can mess around with the pyramid test um, in order to make it simulate different things. Um, so a lot of that stuff found its way into the into the main book uh, itself, and it's just the idea to make the make it one stop shopping as far as having a, a very complete um, foundation to to build future stuff on. Cool, very cool. Well, I'm very excited to see it. Um, the only the only drawback for me, and again, this is probably not going to be an issue with icons because Daniel Solis makes these things so readable, is that. Books, you know, role-playing game books are getting smaller and smaller these days, and my eyes <laughs> are getting worse and worse. So I'm, I'm like, <laughs> but I, I really like the uh, the layout in in Great Power. I find it very mm-hmm. readable, even I, without I, my I glasses. So too. <laughs> I, I so, too. so, and I I think that the the new um, layout for icons, even in spite of the the slightly smaller form factor, will still be pretty readable. Yeah, yeah. So, um. To to kind of close off the discussion and switch back to to John, who's might have, might have fallen asleep again. Might have dozed off again. <laughs> but John frequently does that when I'm talking. So, <laughs> so John, um, 
what can you tell us a little bit about what's Green Ronin's role in, in bringing uh, the the Icons uh, product out instead of you know um, doing it as a third party issue? Well, uh, it's still really third party, um, and Steve might actually be able to talk about this more because I'm not really involved other than saying, "Ooh, I'd like to take a look at that." Chris yeah, and. Yeah, yeah, um, go ahead, Steve, because, I mean, I think Steve just basically talked to Chris and said, I have this thing, yeah. I cons, and I don't really want to publish it, so maybe you guys want to do it? Yeah, I mean, pretty much it comes down to um, Green Ronin is going to um, serve as our print and distribution partner mm-hmm. uh, in that regard. Um, so, um, ad infinitum, uh, in other words, me, because you know that's pretty much ad infinitum. Um, is is going to produce the book? Um, what so, a, a company uh, made of only one person! I've I never know, heard of that imagine, before. Right? <laughs> In the game industry, surely not. <laughs> um, and um, so, basically, um, with with Dan Hauser and Daniel Solis, we're going to produce the book, um, and uh, hand over the 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 print ready p. PDF to Green Ronin. Um, Green Ronin is going to um, print the book and um, warehouse and distribute it. Um, so uh, it will, you know, uh, come, you know, to uh, retailers uh, through Green Ronin's catalog, just like the rest of the of Green Ronin's products. Um, but it'll it'll still be an ad infinitum branded product. Um, the we still haven't worked out all the details. The PDF will most certainly be available on. Um, drive through RPG and RPG Now. I don't know if the uh, the PDF will be available directly through Green Ronin or not yet. We're we're still working out some of the specifics as far as that goes. Okay. Um, but there will be a PDF edition. It will be available most certainly. Um, and uh, so that's the the primary area is that is that Green Ronin is is um, handling the 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 print and distribution side of things where they have. The, the connections uh, and the experience and the infrastructure to do that. Um, and it really doesn't benefit me to develop those things for, for a product uh, like Icons because I don't know how many major print releases Icons is going to have mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Yeah. Unlike myself where I'm sitting here trying to learn all this stuff for the first time and uh, went going out there and, and making all these connections with the help of people like John who actually like to return my emails. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a very complex... There's a lot of moving parts Absolutely. In, 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 in getting those the uh, physical book out into the world. So Absolutely. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, I would partner with somebody else if it weren't something I was planning to do, you know, follow up on over and over again. So mm-hmm. Right. But um, yeah, so that's that's a lot of cool information there. I think I think that's pretty much all of my questions on icons. Um, unless there's anything in particular we might have missed, any upcoming releases that you wanted to point out? Uh, I think. Well, I mean, uh, assembled edition has pretty much been taking up all of almost all of my time, icons mm-hmm. wise. Um, I am looking forward to um, wrapping up Dan Hauser's um, series of. Icons uh, Adventures, uh, his his Phalanx series, mm-hmm. um, which uh, Very cool. ultimately will encompass um, uh, five adventures, so is nearly done. Um, 
and um, then from there on, you know, we've we've got some. I've got some ideas, but you know, it's it's really been heavily focused on on getting assembled edition wrapped up first. Very cool. Awesome. So let's turn our eyes over to Green Ronin proper and uh, wake John up again. <laughs> and <laughs> the joke never gets old. Never right? gets old, right? It never gets funny. I mean, <laughs> oh wait, no, funny. oh. <laughs> so, um, I have in my hands, and I and I again apologize to to Steve for taunting him, but I am actually holding in my hands a copy of the Emerald City source book, which is a gorgeous hardcover book. And um, these just started shipping out not too long ago. I, I managed to rescue mine before uh, before my uh, postman decided to drown it. Um, <laughs> which actually, sadly enough, did not happen. I was not able to rescue. Um, my, my postman likes to hide things in the bushes when it's raining. Um, oh, well, sure. And yeah, and uh, I lost I lost the Cortex uh, oh. Cortex Plus guy. Yeah, that, I had to throw that away. It was all mildewed. Um, but uh, thanks, Postal Service. Yeah, thank you so much. That was my Kickstarter reward. Thank you. Uh, but no, the Emerald City book is gorgeous and in and um, it's huge. It's um, of course it's actually three books in one. And I think we've talked about this numerous times. But to to sum up, it was. Uh, it was originally intended to be three, three books. Well, yeah, three separate books. Depend, that were going to be depends on the definition of originally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. that's true. There are secret stories about the development of this particular product. So yes, uh, it actually started as a single book, and mm-hmm. then during uh, development, I think Hal said, "Hey, what if we do a slipcase and make it?" No, it was first. Books? Hey, if we, what if we do a box set? And that's right. It was a box set, mm-hmm. and. Then there's, and I know we've mentioned this before too, there's all sorts of taxes on boxed games uh, overseas, but not on slipcase games. Not on slipcase books. So, hey, let's do a slipcover and put books in the slipcover. Great. Um, And then by the time we got around to actually needing to do the printing, the difference between doing a single volume book and the difference between doing a slipcase slipcover with three books, three books. was about sixteen thousand dollars and so we said that's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> um so we just uh despite all the time that i spent splitting up the book which was not written as two or three different books um so splitting up paragraphs and bits of information mm-hmm. So that they fit into the player's guide or the secrets guide, um, it then ended up getting published as a single book anyway. So well, in, the, in the plus in the plus column, uh, you can still you still have the um, the PDFs as three PDFs, right? Yep. I was just going to say the PDFs are available as PDFs. So if you or your players want the player's guide, which is what here I'm looking ninety about a hundred pages actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, that will contain all the information they need to create their characters and kind of go to town. Yeah, it looks yeah. like about 100 pages exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually really like that player's guide section of the book. Because, I do too. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it does exactly what we wanted it yeah. to do, which was basically introduce the setting, which kind of has a fun... Um, 
pamphlet style introduction for the first few pages and then goes into more detail about like if you're a player in this setting this is the sort of information you're going to want to know and uh here's you know information about the city here's information about the social life here's information about the whatever law enforcement who the mayor is what the radio um, stations are what the radio stations right. are um the sections of town so if one section of town in particular sounds like yeah my character would be from there then you can you can figure out what all the the you know what the personality is of the yeah. city and the different yeah. parts so mm-hmm. in in spite of the winding path that the the development took i think that it ultimately made things a better book i do too um and and uh you know it was it was really nice to see it's always nice to see my name in the credits on a on a beautiful book like this. So what are you in there? That's yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a uh, that was you know I didn't get to do a lot of work on that one. That was one of the first products projects you guys asked me to work on. So mm-hmm. it was kind of fun seeing that finally come into print. It's like oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> and uh, that that was um, what I what I like about getting the and of course you get the uh, the full Emerald City Knights adventure series in there mm-hmm. and yeah. that was and that's yes. and that I think is is a real big bonus um, I think I think one of the I think I think the adventure series I think works so much better as a whole mm-hmm. um, to me yeah. anyway than it yeah. did than it did as an episodic thing but I, I really, ironically like a lot of of um comic book series, you know, trades mm-hmm. that's to read better, you know, when you get them, you know, as a trade paperback than as individual issues. I think that the Emerald City Knights works better the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does. But, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of great writers, a lot of great design work that went into that. And, um, you know, just the fact that I know half of them personally now mm-hmm. has nothing to do with me heaping praise on them. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous book. I love the cover. I was I was kind of I was kind of joking when I was you know, but kind of not when I was needling um, Hal about. I was asking him when if the next book was going to have that uh, glossy coat or not because that got lo- that got left off of the Powers book. Of power profiles, yeah, yeah. But I actually did like the cover. But this cover looks really sweet. I like the color mm-hmm. scheme. Um, it's got a nice purple motif to it that's that's unusual, but yeah. I like the fact that it's got a um, you know the kind of purple skyline and everything, and then the green in the foreground. It's classic supervillain colors, so mm, or, or or Hulk colors if you want to go for the antihero. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, the cover turned out really well, and it's funny because um, uh, the parts of the book. Co- of any book come together so slowly mm-hmm. so like this cover we've been seeing in-house for ages. a long time mm-hmm. and it's really weird to see it actually on a book now and go like oh yeah that's really cool and it t- did turn out really well and like i remember writing the description of what this should look like and you know that it should concentrate on the city but obviously still show some of the heroes so people get the idea that it's a superhero book but you know, Emerald City is about the city, so we should show that. Um, and yeah, it's—I uh, I mean, I think in general it, it turned out really well, and you do get the sense that this isn't just a, you know, a book of villains or a book of heroes. That this is something mm-hmm. 
more than that. So it, I yeah. think it, it turned out pretty well as a package. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting. We're 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 looking um, right now at at um, cover concepts for the the upcoming gadget oh, guides yeah. mm-hmm. uh, book, yeah. and it's it's sort of starting that whole process. You know, over again, uh, you know, of, of the the co- cover from concept to to execution. Cool. And uh, so I think it's also going to be a pretty cool cover when it's also yeah yeah that one looks really cool, much more action packed than some of the ones we've seen recently. Yeah. Nice, nice. I yeah, that was one of the uh, the things that originally grabbed my eye with the uh, Mutants and Masterminds first edition was it had a very dynamic, cool mm-hmm. cover. I, I, and then of course second edition had that that also great cover by the same artist i believe yes so. uh no actually two different was artists it? was it yep. yeah uh, first edition was was ale garza and, oh that's uh, right that's raymond right. perez did the second edition that's right that's right for some reason i thought <coughs> perez had done them both but you're right yeah but yeah that um that dynamic look was something that uh, i really started associating with the uh, mutants and masterminds so it's it's nice to see that coming back for the uh for the gadget guide Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It should be a really nice look at the color. Cool, cool. So, um, getting back to Emerald City, um, you were doing a, a I, I want to say that they're really kind of a companion product line to the Emerald City source book, the Earth Prime uh, Atlas mm-hmm. books. That's that's all set. And now this is all <coughs> tied into the same setting as Correct. the Freedom City book. Correct. Right. right, yeah. So Earth Prime is the planet or the universe in which um, the comic book universe in which both Emerald City and Freedom City exist. So mm-hmm. uh, on Earth Prime you find basically your characters and everything else that goes on but it also crosses over into other dimensions like the you know the Nazi dimension and the funny animal dimension and that sort of stuff. Uh, but with the Atlas of Earth Prime series what we're doing is uh, giving people a broader look at that world in general. Um, mm-hmm. We, as middle-class white guys growing up in America uh, and fans of American comic books for the for the most part, uh, tend to write books for middle-class American white guys who like comic books from America. Um, and <laughs> what we wanted to do was kind of uh, show what more of the world was like and also hopefully... Um, you know, pulling some people from different parts of the world to do some of that writing so it doesn't just come off with the same voice as, as mm-hmm. what we always mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and it's, it's been actually quite a bit more work than I think I was originally thinking it would be, uh, and not just because they're, each entry in the, in the Atlas uh, is released as PDFs, uh, but each entry is about... Seven to nine thousand words, I'll say. I think we have one that's maybe as short as five. Yeah. But between the art for that number of pages and the reading and editing and developing and working on characters, uh, each one has taken a pretty significant significant amount of time. Um, and especially since I'm dealing with uh, writers with different voices instead of. Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly leaning on Steve, who has a very nice, consistent voice. Um, it's been uh, it's been a lot of work. So uh, yeah. people who have been paying attention have probably noticed, hey, this bi-weekly series uh, has not had a release in a little while. So uh, that's pretty much my fault, but it's, uh, it's in the works now, and Hal's got the next two or three that he's commissioned art for, and he's just 
needs to get that back and it'll be off and running again. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll get back on a a, a regular schedule. But the the Atlas um, products are also considerably more dense. Yeah, in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, than the stuff that we've done for. Um, not that power profiles and and gadget guides didn't have a lot of material in each one. Right. But they they were considerably more um, bite sized in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, well, it seems to it seems to me that with the power profiles and the gadget guides, you know, that the the coherent theme that each one would have made it really easy to break it down into a structure. It did. It did. Um, and the stuff with the atlas is considerably more complex mm-hmm. because we're talking about, you know cultures and geography and um, ex- laying out information about a setting um, and building in characters and checking continuity um, and um, you know trying to make sure that everything fits together uh, and and that's that's proved to be considerably more complicated than you know um, laying out a catalog of, of powers along a theme yeah it to me, uh, it, it was kind of an interesting... When you first announced it, I was like, oh, okay. And then I started, you know, playtesting and reading some of the initial documents. And I'm like... And I really did see where a lot of the challenges were in, like, how do you break something down into similar-sized chunks when you're dealing with a setting, you know, or, or, mm-hmm. or a piece of the setting that says different as, you know... Uh, I don't want to... I forget which ones have been released and which ones haven't, but like um, you know, North America was released, and then mm-hmm. um, well, actually the the United States, even yeah, the United States, right? Um, and then of course you have going from there to like a Central America, and mm-hmm. the, the difference in culture, you have to make that clear, and you have to make you know the and you you still have to leave room for content like characters and and mm-hmm. you know stat yeah. blocks and things yeah. like that. So it is it is a much more challenging I think uh um setup but I, but you know I love the fact that you guys are willing to make those take those challenges and put out mm-hmm. those products cuz yeah they I, really are cool. I will say that you know even just given the limited um uh, response we've seen from the, the the USA release and the responses we've we've heard back from from playtest readers. Uh, the one thing I like uh, about the series is that it it clearly is um, it's tantalizing. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, everybody the the one thing everybody almost always says is wow I just wish there was more of this. Yeah, I wish there was more of it. Yeah, yes, exactly. you know. Of you know, exactly. wow! This you know, uh, you know the 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 write up of this thing was only half a page long, and I wish it was like ten pages long. Right. You know, um, and I think that's strangely enough, I think that's a good thing because yeah. I think that it it's you know something that fires people's imaginations when they yep. when they they read something like that and say, wow, yeah, I want to delve more into this. I want to know more about this. Um, yeah, that's actually one of my big things in the last year or two is. Um, trying to push this idea of having products that provide more inspiration than they do than uh, explanation yeah, yeah than explanation and and simply because you know when i when i think about this the games <clears throat> and books that i read and played when i was younger what i the books that i like the most are not the ones that had the most rules they were the ones that gave me 
ideas for things to run and Mm -hmm. like every line had some little snippet of something even if it wasn't completely explained that made me go oh yeah that would be a cool thing to do like i can run with this idea Mm -hmm. and and the settings weren't fleshed out so much or the rules weren't fleshed out so much that i I felt pulled into stories there yeah, yeah one of, one of the things that we we called that in in Tiansha, we were we were making you know we were very specific about leaving what we called white space yeah. for people to operate in like you know we didn't want to we didn't want to outline exactly every character that would be in every square foot of you know every city and what have you we wanted to kind of you know it's like yeah this is the yeah. landscape and here are a few sample things you'll find in that landscape. But you should feel more than free to add to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's been a an occasional development issue um, when you have to to make some heading adjustments where where writers want to, or there at least their first impulse is to try and fill in all of that space mm-hmm. and and not leave any any you know white space for for the the gaming groups to to actually adventure in. Right. Um, and you know you occasionally have to remind people you know when they're especially when they're building um, some of the um, NPC heroes um, that we want we want to feature in some of these other locations to 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 tread lightly um, and you, you want to you don't want to create a surplus of heroes right. you know that was that was one of the 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 issues um, that I felt was a, a weakness with with Freedom City. Um, was this this sense that you know why am I here you know, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you you want to create and we and we we sought to address with Emerald City is we want to create a setting that that needs heroes right um, you know and so a lot of it was was to to dangle these adventure hooks and these challenges and these looming threats um, that you know are, are apparently unopposed. You know, mm-hmm. or or look like they you know have the potential to overwhelm characters um, because that way it's a chance for the the player characters to come in and save the day. Yeah, it's a it's a lot it's a lot more intimidating when you know someone attacks the city if if you don't have you know Captain Thunder on speed dial. Right. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a I think I think that was one of the original design decisions that John made, right? Um, or at least he was very. That was very. He was very uh, focused on that when I first started talking to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I mean, with any sort of development work, uh, any decision I make uh, really ends up being bounced off Steve before the decision is final. Yeah, uh, because he's obviously the guy who launched this whole thing and got it going. But you know, I certainly. I, I have a different perspective on Eminem than Steve does, mm-hmm. and uh, so when I come to the table, I have different ideas, and we just have to figure out how to make them still work together and be what we want it to be. Um, and and typically, I think when we both sit down um, to talk things over, we have a pretty good idea of um, both wanting to get to a place that makes sense for the books in general. So uh, we're not sitting down, and you know, Steve. I hope isn't thinking, "What is this jerk going to tell and you know, suggest now?" Um, it may be possible. I mean, he could say, he could think that, but um, you know, we're we're both trying to come up with ways to kind of improve what's what's happened before, and and still come up with some cool new new products for people. So yeah, 
Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, I like about the the process is that, you know, because John and I approach things from, from different angles, it really um, brings out a lot of, uh, it brings out our ideas in a more fully thought out form. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we we can bounce them off of each other and have, oh yeah, but what if we did this? Yeah, um, you know, sort of a thing. Um, and I think that's actually been one of the nice things about um, the Atlas series is that it's brought in. John has brought in a lot of new voices mm-hmm. um, that have brought their own unique perspectives uh, to you know under his guidance, um, you know, to the setting. Uh, that has has really added a lot of rich new ideas that I'm like, wow, this is super cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I want to go there, and check this really out. There's really been a lot of there's really been a lot of great stuff that the people that we're working with have pitched and are not at all what I think Steve or I would have come up would've with. Come up but, with, yeah, exactly. Totally. So, cool. so, so um, let's let's. Can you throw out some of these uh, like some of the new people that you've worked with or or people that. Um, <laughs> Well, I know. I know. I, I believe Alex Melkor, um, if I'm mm-hmm. saying his name right, um, who worked on the uh, Mecha and Manga book, he he worked on part of it for you, right? Yep. Yes, he did both the Mexico and Central America. So he lives in Mexico City, and uh, certainly I think had a lot more inspiration for the Mexico entry than the rest of Central America because I don't I don't know exactly how much travel and time he spent in Central America in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously he's way closer to that culture or those cultures and that part of the world than we are. So yeah. uh, that felt like a, a pretty safe thing to have him write. Um, and uh, really, I think so far the, the Mexico entry is probably one of my favorites. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Read, very good. I think I've read seven or eight or nine different ones so far that I have in some stage of development, mm-hmm. um, and and it w- it's really it's really a fun part of the the series. Um, and then uh, let's see here. I have to look we've at got, we've so, got Scott Benny on Canada. Uh, yep, Scott Scott Benny did Canada. Um, that turned out really pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. There's some neat ideas in that that he came up with and we could make room for. So there's actually some pretty significant things that are different there. Uh, in fact, Scott had a, an excellent, you know, and I don't think this is a significant spoiler or anything, but um, Scott had an excellent take on um, the the how to handle um, and both how to handle NPC heroes and how to handle stereotypes. Uh, in the fact that he made the major Canadian super team into a group of complete assholes. Yeah. <laughs> um, because uh, not only one are they, you know, not your your typical polite Canadians, um, but uh, in fact they're you know glory hogging you know uh, um, violence monkeys. Um, they're also the the types that are pretty much greatly set up to be perfect antagonists. Yeah. Uh, when a bunch of you know like decent superheroes come along, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, so I think uh, that's also the strongest language I've ever heard you use. <laughs> it's funny. A lot of people have been telling me that lately, which is, which is strange because Green Ronin has a has a reputation for you know um, uh, blue language. Yeah, I was gonna say blue language. So. Um, yeah, um, that's funny though. That you're like the third or fourth person to tell me how incredibly there were people who just shocked that I actually swear. Um, I don't know where that happened, but 
Maybe it's because um, I, I met you on podcasts and you've been on your best behavior. So that must be it. That must be it. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, uh, that's that's a particular idea that you know would have never occurred to me, but but Scott did really deftly, um, and you know I was like, wow, yeah, I can totally see what you're doing here, and it's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, there there have been you know it's been a privilege. I can't obviously say anything before you guys talk about it so i mean I, that was one of the um the uh, books i was it, one of the nice things about being on the playtest list is even when i'm in crunch mode it's nice to be able to stop whatever i'm working on and kind of if i have the time to sit down and read you know something, something that somebody else <laughs> something that somebody else is developing and just yeah, kind of give yeah. my feedback so it's like yeah it's I'm I'm not weighing each decision decision you know of, of where I make my critiques based on how much is this going to cost me to fix or change or whatever. <laughs> it's right. just it's just hey here's some things I think could be better or here's some things that I'm I really like and you know just kind of make that pure this is my reaction to this thing evaluation. So it's like right. that's the wonder of being a play tester and then I have to turn around and switch my thing back into you know e- economy mode. When I'm work looking at my own stuff. Yeah. Um, but let's see here. So we had uh, Scott Benny doing Canada. Um, Mexico and Central America are Alex Melkor. Um, Steve did the USA entry and did the Caribbean entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. South America is a new guy, Fred Furtado. Uh, and I have his stuff and I gave it. A quick read and haven't actually gone back to do tons of development work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Northern Europe is up after that. That well, if everything goes according to how we've numbered it them, goes according to plan. Yeah. Yes, uh, but Northern Europe is Aid Smith is actually writing that. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after I that, I have some people who have suggested some things for Western Europe. Um, Mm-hmm. Jack Norris may do the Africa entries, even though he is not, oddly enough, African. Um, Jack Norris's um, understanding of tribal cultures is actually really cool. He's he's mm-hmm. studied a lot of that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what he said. We were talking on the internal Green Ronin kind of staff, list. and uh, he said, "Hey, if you can't find anybody for Africa, I'm actually really familiar with it, so I can do some work." Um, yeah. I'm hoping to find someone who's actually from Africa, and I actually reached out to uh, Sean Isaacs. It's uh, mm-hmm. apparently how you pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, he was going to try and find some people to send my way, but uh, I haven't heard anything from them yet. So, uh, and then we have I think a couple of good options for the Middle East entry, and mm-hmm. uh, Darren Bulmer, who is Australian, is doing yeah. the Australia Oceania entry. Nice. Uh, and then I think Steve will probably either end up doing all of the others or uh, <laughs> at least do some of the ones like that are more exotic, like Atlantis, Lemuria, yeah. that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've kind of got dibs on Atlantis and such. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. If, if nobody has dibs on, on, like, you know, if you guys decide to do the moon or something, let me know. Yeah, we're not actually planning on on expanding the Atlas beyond Earth. Okay. Uh, because a lot of the stuff in the Cosmic Handbook That's covers true. That's true. Earth's solar system and the greater galaxy. You know, one of the interesting things about the the development of um, the new edition of Freedom City 
is the fact that we've we've kind of offloaded all of the stuff out all the stuff that takes place outside of Freedom City to other source books. Mm-hmm. Um, now the the Atlas pretty much covers the rest of the world, and Cosmic Handbook covers pretty much the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the Freedom City uh, book will focus very specifically on Freedom City at this point. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and we should also say that uh, Steve is writing Freedom City following the same sort of format that we did with Emerald City. So yes. there's going to be the player's book up front, <coughs> and then the, the secrets or GM section in the back that has the... the exception that instead <laughs> of a um, big, long adventure, it's probably going to be a huge list of villains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you certainly have a uh, a lot. You've amassed a a large a long list of them. Yes. The years. So right. uh, we're on what year twelve or thirteen of mutants and masterminds now? Yeah, thirteen, <laughs> I think. Two thousand one, two thousand two, thereabouts. So yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. It's a pretty impressive. It's a pretty impressive run for a role playing game in general, not just a superhero yeah. game. So. That's uh, that's you guys. You guys just keep making it bigger and better, um, and I, I'm always happy to be a part of it. But uh, the um, so you've you've basically been showing that you're going to be compiling each one of these PDF series. So you know, just to leave no doubt in anyone's minds, you guys are planning to put together an Atlas of Earth Prime collection at the end of the PDF run, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm actually really looking forward to that collection. Yeah, me too. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Um, we've got we've got roughly twenty something. Um, yeah, twenty 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 one twenty one twenty two atlas entries planned. So it'll probably make a decent two hundred to two hundred and forty page book. Yeah, it's, it's all said be, and done. It's going to be pretty significant, I think. So yeah, will there be a pull out map like there was in the Emerald City book? Uh, you know, we haven't talked about that, but it might be kind of cool to have a yeah. big map that kind of pinpoints some of the different locations the, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be a, a discussion with Hal. Yeah, uh, that's about, quite a while you know, from Hal. Spe- speaking of, of, you know, putting on your hat of how much is this going to cost us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we know. did it with Emerald City Book, so hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully, I mean, we it's can feasible, it. but yeah. Well, as a fan, I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've had you guys on here for um, close to an hour now. Let's see. Oh, just over an hour. Um, is there anything that uh, you guys wanted to um, shout out to the fans, like any particular topics that you guys we didn't hit? Um, you know what, I, what I'd like to make a plea to the fans for? Mm-hmm. Anybody who has listened this long must be pretty serious. Uh, is if you're reading any of our PDFs or our books, um, and you get them from a site that you can do reviews on, please do a review because oh, yes. Yes, I'm always looking for feedback on what people think of anything. Like, oh, hey, the cover art was awesome, but this piece inside wasn't that great, or this piece gave me a great idea, or this section of the book was really fun. Do more like this. I want more bad guys that fall into this power level range. Like anything, mm-hmm. I would love to get more feedback. We have we have people active on the Atomic Think Tank, which is our our forum. Um, but it's a lot of the same people a lot of the time, yeah. uh, which is not to discount what they do because they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 
but I would love to hear from more people and get uh, mm-hmm. get more feedback on things because yeah. you know yeah. it's very useful. And, and and frankly, when when people review something, you know, when you review a product that you've bought, it, it kind of gives somebody the the next guy looking at it something to think about. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. it does. And having reviews out there, you know, just really helps people who are thinking about checking out. Uh, you know our products. It gives them something to to you know kind of help guide their decisions. Mm-hmm. You know about what they want to check out and yeah. you know what products are of interest to them. You know, so the yeah. only thing I'd add too is if you are a mutants and masterminds fan who doesn't live in the continental United States or yes. North America, and you've always wanted to write for mutants and masterminds, uh, now may be your perfect opportunity. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's it's I'm John J O N at greenrunning.com. So we'll uh, I'll give your your writing samples a look, and uh, maybe we can work something out. But yeah, we would love to be able to pull on more people from around the world. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me again, and um, I'm going to try and get this up and posted later tonight. But um, as always, it's always a pleasure having you both on, and I can't wait to see you. What's your next convention stops? I think it's pretty much Gen Con for me mm-hmm. in the summer. I don't think we're doing Origins, so okay. I think it's pretty much Gen Con. Yeah, I'll probably... I don't think I'm going to the Emerald City Comic Con, which is here in Seattle in this weekend, but I am running uh, a uh, Emerald City-based game this Friday night down at the Ray Gun Lounge, uh, which is associated with Gamma Ray Games on Capitol Hill in Seattle. Um, it's only going to be a few hours, so it's it's going to be pretty short, but I'm going to be hanging out down there before the double clicks play. Uh, and then uh, let's see, after that I think the only thing on my docket is uh, for my day job for um, uh, Lone Wolf Development I'll be going to PaizoCon because they do the your lab character mm-hmm. for Pathfinder, uh, and then Gen Con. Excellent. All right. Well, you guys have a great, uh, great weekend. Have fun at the game there, John. And um, I'll be uh, seeing you both at Gen Con if if I don't get a chance to meet up with you earlier. Looking Sounds forward good. to it. All right. And thank you everyone for listening. Uh, once again, the books we're talking about. There's the Emerald City source book um, is out and available now. You can buy that from the Green Ronin website. As you can also check out, um, how many how many issues of uh, of the Earth Prime have come out? Is it two or three? Just the first one. Just the first one. Okay, so um, that would be the North. Uh, that would be the United States, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the United States source book, or the United States entry from the uh, Earth Prime <coughs> Atlas, which is well worth checking out, and uh, there are more cool things to come. So. Yes, indeed. All right, guys, thank you very much. And to everyone listening, we'll see you again next time. Stay vigilant.